Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are on Season 7, Episode 3, One Gay at a Time. So this week is an interesting episode, I think we can say. Sure. Um, why don't we just jump right into the description, and then we'll go from there. Yep. All right, One Gay at a Time. As she attempts to steal donuts at an AA meeting, Grace has a surprise reunion with Val, Molly Shannon. Will and Jack attend a gay television focus group meeting. Wow, that is perhaps the most accurate description we've gotten in a long time. Yeah. It's like exactly what happened. Well, there you go. So as we mentioned, Val is back. Val is here. She's fairly non-essential to the plot this week. Ah, Honestly, most Val plots is she really essential? That's true. Um, Basically, her purpose here is to get in a tug of war with Karen over Grace. Yeah, literally. Literal tug of war, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But the... The horrifying setup of this episode uh-huh. is that while Grace is walking down the street with Karen, she darts away for a moment mm-hmm. to step into a church where she's found that there are free donuts. She doesn't even so much dart away as she follows the donuts away from Karen. Oh, is that what happened? That is what happens. And it's a blink and you miss it sort of moment. Yes, because I, I literally blinked and I literally missed it. Yeah, she sees someone walking down the street with Krispy Kremes and follows them into a church. <laughs> I understand. That actually, like fundamentally changes my understanding of the setup of this episode. Yeah, Grace Adler would not just wander into a church. I just, I I thought that Grace had been doing this for some time now. Mm. And had just been, like, getting a donut and walking away. It's it's slightly less horrible if it's not a premeditated crime. <laughs> if it's just, like, an opportunistic crime. Right, like, I imagine that this was, like, the third or fourth time Grace has done this. And she's just, you know, when she's on her walk with Karen, she's... Taking a second and going and getting donuts and then coming back and Karen never notices. Because she finds another red-haired woman to walk <laughs> next to. Um, yeah, it's uh, so she follows the donuts into the church where mm-hmm. she happens to realize that she is in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Yes, which um, she does not want to be in because she's not an alcoholic. Now, for some context, in the opener of this episode, Grace complains that she has fired yet another therapist. Yes, I guess we should talk briefly about that. that. So Grace is seeing therapists because of her marriage. Divorce. Di- her, her marriage breakup, also known as a divorce. Also known as a divorce. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, but she has very high standards for what she wants in a therapist. Um, she wants a therapist who will fall in love with her and then she can reject them <laughs> to get her confidence back. Which is, by the way, not a filter you can search for on Psychology Today. <laughs> That's good to know, though. It is not a filterable option. Um, but what she, first of all, she gets stuck in the AA meeting because Val is there. Yes. Yeah, so she goes in for donuts and then gets caught by Val mm-hmm. who pretends to like have a gun to her back and it's yes. like, drop the donuts. Very Val. In a very Val way. And then she sort of is trapped there, um, because Val just sort of like goes, oh, well, I'm crazy because I'm a big old drunk. So right. obviously you too. <laughs> well, and the thing is that like Grace loves it oh my god she like is super into it and it's it's an interesting take yes on this because you kind of get a few sides of this situation um so first off grace essentially discovers that alcoholics anonymous as an organization does not cost money you um are there are donations that are suggested Mm -hmm. um and i believe often if my understanding from television is to be <laughs> followed that you are sometimes supposed to bring the donuts yourself. Yes. Um, but so Grace discovers that it's free therapy, basically. 
and there's donuts and it's just so then we just sort of watch as grace exploits this aa meeting yes it's a very like it's always sunny in philadelphia level of exploitation from grace yes every once in a while the show goes there and this is one of those episodes yeah so we we literally watch as grace and she's initially resistant to staying in the meeting because she's yes. like, I'm not an alcoholic. But then she finds out that the donuts are always free. <laughs> and then she's just there and she's like, I'm Grace. Now I'm an alcoholic. And then she just talks about her personal problems and feels very validated sharing with the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the one hand, that is like based in like evidence. Like evidence based say that peer support models are often very mm-hmm. helpful when processing a trauma. Yeah. Um so it makes total sense that she would find support. Like in group it. therapy makes sense. It totally does. However, we at Model Couple would not like to endorse exploiting a free community service because you're going through a divorce and you don't want to pay. Yes, this is not a how to episode. Like it doesn't really end condemning Grace for doing this explicitly, but, like, it really should. It really ought to. Yeah. Like, the closest it gets is that Will's kind of, like, shady with her uh-huh. when he finds out, but then moves on to his own plotline. Of course. Um, Even though at, at that point in the episode, there's a brief glimmer of Grace becoming an alcoholic. Which yes. is a much more fun plot to develop, I think. Right. So we see her going to these AA meetings and then coming home from the AA meetings and being like, oh, I just really want a beer. And Will's like, I'm gay. We don't keep beer in the house. Which, same. Mood. Um, But then she was like, yeah, I just like, you know, what's her face was just talking about having a frosty one when the state took her kids away. And it was just like, girl. Which kind of leads to another point. And I I don't want to get on my high horse or my soapbox about this, but I really do need to say this as a person. Mm -hmm. So as those of you who've listened to the show for at least a year know that I I worked in HIV prevention for a long time, and that meant I did a lot of harm reduction. Yes. And in doing that, that meant I worked with people who were addicted to drugs. Right. Not necessarily alcohol, but... Not necessarily alcohol, but oftentimes there were overlaps in Mm -hmm. in the usage of drugs. Um, And so I have some feelings on 12-step programs. My feelings are that 12-step programs, honestly, the evidence kind of shows that they don't really work um, mm-hmm. because they they really, they hinge on two very important factors, one of which is a complete abstinence from mm-hmm. any use yep. at all whatsoever, and the second is a belief in a higher power. Mm. So if you don't believe in a higher power, it's really difficult to follow their steps in which you give yourself over to a higher power. Right. Um, and the, like the episode description kind of harkens to one of the like AA <laughs> sayings, which is one day at a time. Right. Um, which, and then there's also let go and let God and all that shit. Um, but it, it doesn't really work if you're an atheist. Right. Well, and it's not that 12 step programs can't work. Right. I it's, mean, many people swear by them. Yeah. Many people credit their sobriety to them, but also they're not a one size fits all solution. They absolutely are not. And frankly, the evidence sort of shows that folks who try 12 step programs and are unsuccessful in 12 step programs tend to relapse at a higher and more damaging rate mm-hmm. because of the insistence on abstinence. There's no there's no such thing as working towards sobriety in a 12 step program. Mm-hmm. You're either sober or you're not. Right. Um, and that also gets really hairy when you talk to people um, not just dealing with alcoholism but like more um, harder substances for folks who are using opioids, for example, if they're um, doing medicated assistant treat- medication assisted treatment, like mm-hmm. taking methadone or suboxone to help curb their cravings. People in 12 step programs don't say that's sober. Right. Um, for folks who have been mainlining heroin for 12 years, <laughs> they may consider that 
the soberest they've right. been. Well, and, um, and not to completely derail the conversation, I think we, we should move on after this. But yes. There's also some evidence to show that some people who identify as alcoholics may not actually need total abstinence. Right. They may need to learn control of alcohol, you know, especially people who are binge drinkers in college, mm-hmm. many of whom never identify as alcoholics, but eventually learn to deal with their drinking in a different they, way. They, yeah, they learn to moderate drinking, mm-hmm. which sometimes for some folks does come with maturity and age, right. but for other folks doesn't. And mm-hmm. learning the sort of difference between actual chemical addiction and mm-hmm. problematic behavior and just like being young and stupid, mm-hmm. um, Alcoholics Anonymous as a practice doesn't really allow for those nuances. Right. Um so while it's definitely a cool thing, if that is a thing that has worked for you, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, as a harm reductionist, don't wholeheartedly endorse it. I just think that it's an option. Well, and to, to bring this back to the episode, which yes. is the reason we're here. Which we're coming back to. The episode kind of shoots itself in the foot no matter what side you're taking on 12-step programs. Yes. Because of Karen. Yes. Karen is really the fly in the ointment here. Because the show has a product for seven seasons now has used Karen's chronic abuse of alcohol and other drugs Mm -hmm. as a punchline. Yes. Even in this episode, frequently Karen is, you know, holding a drink in her hand and talking about how, you know, alcohol addiction isn't a thing or whatever. Right. Um, She's criticizing Grace for being in a cult because she's in AA. Yeah. Um, She literally at one point taunts Val with her martini. She literally does. Like Val, it, offers as as many people in AA do they make amends and mm-hmm. so she offers an apology to Karen for the way that she's behaved around her in the past yeah um and says I'm really sorry that wasn't really me that was the drink talking and then Karen holds up her martini <laughs> and says my drink talks too it says drink me I make life more fun <laughs> which out of context is used a lot as like a gif Yes, I do. Now that you're saying that, I do remember that that's normally a gif. And I'm like, hmm, that I, is problematic now. I had really forgotten that that was the context. So in general, while I may have some feelings about whether or not 12-step programs like work in like a scientific sense, I overall would not say is a cool thing to do <laughs> to taunt someone who's like, I have a problem with alcohol with a drink going, drink me. <laughs> that's not cool, Karen. I think we could all agree that that's 100% not cool. Yeah, and so this episode, like Matthew said, really it shoots itself in the foot because it doesn't really know what to do with Karen because Karen's clear problems with mm-hmm. alcohol and drugs aren't really as funny when we're actually addressing people with problems with alcohol and drugs. The episode has a hard time being funny because it's such, it's this dark comedy that Will and Grace doesn't really mind very frequently or very well. Like a a lot of the comedy quote unquote hinges on Grace taking advantage of AA and then Karen coming in and basically I'm trying to think of what the logical fallacy is. It's kind of like a, a false equivalency where she says that AA is a cult and, like, basically, like, just turns all the AA precepts on its head and gets in an argument with Val about it. Sure. Like, her argument isn't, Grace, you can't be here. You're not an alcoholic. Her, her, her argument is, Grace, you can't be here. AA is a cult and you have to love alcohol as much as I do. Right. Like, her argument is as flawed as some of the arguments that you may see coming from the AA mm-hmm. side. And it all is especially flawed when you consider that 
Grace does not have an alcohol problem. Right. It doesn't make sense for her to be utilizing this <laughs> service. She's just being cheap. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a whole wider commentary on whether or not it's okay to use anti-Semitic stereotypes about being tight-fisted Jews. Right. Um, and then, of course, the additional commentary of how often is Grace Jewish? It's really only when they want to make a joke about her being Jewish. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? Right. Cringe, mostly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's really, it's a very strange thing. And then the entire thing kind of comes to a very strange head in the episode's kicker. Mm-hmm. When Grace and Karen sort of have this nice moment in which Karen, you know, explains that part of the reason that she was so upset with Grace joining AA was because then they weren't hanging out as much. Mm-hmm. And Karen, as we all have kind of not really addressed this season, is also going through a divorce. So yeah. her and Grace are actually kind of in the same boat right yeah. now. Yeah, it's actually weird because like the show itself kind of makes you forget that because yeah. it doesn't bring it up very often. But they are kind of putting Grace's divorce in the forefront and ignoring Karen's so that they can make this point that Grace is ignoring Karen. Right, and I mean, it, it, as Grace rightly points out, um, Karen's marriage didn't even last the reception. So like, there is definitely some difference in how long their marriage has lasted and mm-hmm. what their marriage has meant in the aggregate. Right. But altogether, they are both still going through a divorce, and they mm-hmm. can be supportive to each other in that. But then Karen says this. She she gets very serious, and she <laughs> she looks over at Grace, and she's like, Grace, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say this. And Grace is like, you can tell me. She's like, I think Rosario has a drinking problem. <laughs> and it's just like... Like, and just, so we've learned nothing. We've learned nothing. And it's it's a little frustrating to have gone through this whole rigmarole and the and the injustice and the critique of 12-step programs well, and the exploitation. I, and I think you and I can agree that neither of us wants Will and Grace to try to have a very special episode about alcoholism. Oh, my God. Neither no. of us thinks that the show in its old state, current state, can accomplish this. In no way, shape, or form should Will and Grace attempt to address the problems of addiction. But that's I, I not think, their game. I think that's why it's so weird for them to swerve into it this way when Karen being an alcoholic I don't want to say is funny but it's certainly less funny when alcoholism is the subject of the episode yes. you know when it's a, a cute personality trait that maybe she's hamming up a little bit Uh huh. that's one thing yeah like it you know it's sort of like the difference between having like a wine mom and yes. a mom who's like blacked out drunk yes. like there is wine moms who maybe have one too many with dinner and, you know, it's not really a problem so mm-hmm. much as it is just sort of an inconvenience. Right. And then there's, you know, alcoholism being something that harms people, right. not just the person who's drinking. And the show really teeters back and forth on where Karen lands here, but then introducing actual alcoholism into the plot line does not... It doesn't help. It that. doesn't work. It, it makes... It makes you sort of examine it in a way that takes away a lot of the funny parts of right. Karen perhaps just being kind of a wine mom who's making a lot of jokes at our, for our giggles. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. The whole thing was weird. Mm-hmm. Twelve-step programs are strange. The end. A story <laughs> by Tess. Let's talk about the other half of the episode. Yeah. So the other half of the episode is a really strange plotline as well. Um, it features Will getting called by an quote, new network called Out TV to basically go to a focus group for their impending launch of LGBT focus programming. Yes. And to clarify, he is invited because he is a man who is subscribed to Jane magazine. Which I had forgotten was a thing. Is it still a thing? 
I don't think it is anymore. I'm sure it was it was killed in one of the successive magazine buy-offs. Almost certainly. Um, but it's it's first of all, it's weird because as Tess did some brief googling to find out, Out TV first of all is a network in Canada. Yes. And second of all, was literally in the process of rebranding from its original name, which was Pride TV. I believe it was Pride Television or okay. Pride TV. Some it had Pride in the title. So like the. With that broader context, the whole episode comes across like one of the Will and Grace writers knew this was happening and decided to make it a plot line, but then did zero research on it so that Out TV couldn't sue them, maybe? Or something. I don't know. Yeah, so the name is the same. However, it clearly has no relation to the actual Canadian network as none of the programming overlaps in any way. Also, I think we knew about the existence of Out TV because there was one time when we weirdly watched a stream of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, you're right, you're right. Because we were scandalized to realize they did not bleep, don't fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, what is this, what? Well, it is online, so. Yeah. So, anyways. um, But it's, it's a fascinating episode because Will brings Jack along, basically because... Jack is bored and feels bad that he didn't get an invite. And Will's like, well, they should hear from dumb people, too. Basically. Um, I'm pretty sure that's actually Will's line or something it, very it, similar it to it. may not be that verb. No, he says, they should not just hear from me. They should also hear from Joe Blow. And then Jack <laughs> says, You're right. I haven't used that nickname in years. <laughs> Which, wow. God bless. America. But it's it's a weird, it's a weird moment. First of all. Will and Grace rarely interacts with other gays. Yes. So it, that in itself is already kind of like It really weird. almost doesn't know how to. It does a little bit of a better job in the revival. Uh-huh. But it, it doesn't really know how to bring other gays into the mix. So that's sort of a thing. The other thing that's fascinating about this plot line is that uh, it kind of opens with Will being like taking over the floor and being like, oh, wow, I have so many like positive things to say, but also all these negative critiques and like, Really starting to, like, steamroll in that Will way that he does, where, like, he's like, I have the floor. I'm going to take ownership of this thing. And Jack completely undercuts him. Yes. And so we get into... Basically, they showed, like, a sample of programming that's Mm -hmm. going to be on this network. And so Will begins his critique positively with, you know, his um, enjoyment for and approval of some of the lineups that they had including yeah. something called good morning lesbian which i really want to watch now yeah i really also want to watch what that what the fuck is good morning lesbian <laughs> i need to know um but then you know he's like you you got your sugar now and you got to take your medicine and then he like <laughs> basically like kind of rips the network a new one for only for not really having any substantive programming like it's all very fluffy and then there's a lot of jokes about like and I'm not just talking about the show, the fluffy side or whatever. Like. <laughs> yes. I, I think this is in part a critique of Logo, which did exist and was, and oh, and still is to this day, kind of that sort of programming. Right, where it's it's an LGBT network in name only. Yeah, it, I mean, it, 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 it has shows that focus on gay issues, but very few shows that focus on gay issues that are not serious. Right, it's, it's sort of... It's sort of like, um, it deals a lot with, like, the the problems. Mm-hmm. I hope you can hear the air quotes, Missouri. <laughs> the problems of cis white gay men, mm-hmm. primarily, who, while it's not to say that that population doesn't face a certain type of oppression mm-hmm. and problems that come from their identity, um, but overall probably faces the least amount of problems out of the entire spectrum of queer of people. Of course. Um, Sorry, Matthew. No, no, that's totally fine. I'm, you you lose oppression, you. I I always do, but you know what? That's okay. Sometimes it's okay to lose. Mm-hmm. But 
so his critique is a little bit valid um in that the the network exists to primarily only show like fluffy lighthearted stories of gayness right. and that's not really the gay reality right um but on the other hand when jack jumps in he kind of like Jack gets it on a fundamental level. He gets what the network is actually trying to do, which is right. create content that gay consumers want. Yeah, because they're, Jack kind of hones in on something that I think that Will can't really see because he's he's sort of missing the the forest for the trees right. or whatever that expression is. Mm-hmm. Like he he's not he's too focused on the big picture and yeah. not enough on like the fact of the matter is in two thousand and four. There really was very little content that was specifically mm-hmm. made for gay people. Yeah. And so, yes, a lot of the appealing and commercially successful gay content was fluffy and lighthearted. Yes. And Jack gets that because he is their target audience. Mm-hmm. He is the gay who will pay that extra $5 a month to get that on his exactly. cable plan. Well, he will get Karen to pay the extra five dollars a month. We never said that Jack was actually going to pay. Him right, out. right, right. But but understanding. But yes, that's the, <laughs> the, the point is that Jack is sort of their ideal consumer. And so what happens in this episode is it kind of because Jack is promoting all these shows so hard, and the TV network is promoting Jack's ideas so hard. Will kind of turns into like a mini Larry Kramer. Oh my god! Like I literally described this to Matthew as sort of like if you took that scene in the Normal Heart where they kick larry kramer's character out of the gay men's health crisis and just like watered it the fuck down that's exactly what happens mm-hmm. in this focus group it's like literally you have larry kramer who's like we should be fighting for greater social change to fight aids and everyone else is just like yeah but we all just want to fuck we don't want to talk right, about right, that right. and that's sort of what happens here <laughs> it's sort of like will's like we should be changing the culture and they're like yeah we can't change the culture but we can have sexy guys in mm-hmm. thongs Oh my god, one of the other shows they pitch is Gay Jeopardy. Which sounds fascinating, but then also, like, as Jack, like, workshops it, is like, okay, but what if we took away all of their clothes, and they were just naked men holding buzzers? And then the guy, the, like, guy who's running the focus group is like, Jack, I think that's ridiculous. They don't need the buzzers. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, like, it's funny. Right. And it's an interesting critique of gay-targeted media overall. That's sort of like the there's the rub there. And the thing that was so fascinating about me is especially in the early bits before they get to kind of the salacious, like sexy mm-hmm. both salacious sexy slash knockoff programming side yeah. of things. Is Where that it's the, just gay fill in the right. blank. The episode kind of comes across as almost a satire of Will and Grace itself. Yeah. Which is I mean, it's in its seventh season now. So yeah. all the people involved must know that the show has been heavily criticized for being fluffy and not promoting real gay issues. Right, yeah. For the majority of the time that Will and Grace was on the air, its queer viewers often complained that the gay characters never really had problems. Mm -hmm. And the problems that they did face were usually the sort that got resolved in an episode. Like, Like, you know, we think, if you think back to last episode, we think about, like, Vince's homophobic racist boss. Uh He does not really become like an overarching theme that the show tries to address systemic right. discrimination. Right. The show laughs him off as a joke and then they put him back in his convenient box and we get on with fluffy gay things. And we just pretend like it's not important that like a major police officer in the NYPD is is like this. Yes, exactly. And so that's an a critique of the show often that gets sort of um sort of brought up that mm-hmm. it 
for an LGBTQ show, it really doesn't address very many LGBTQ issues, and it also doesn't allow its gay characters to ever really be gay. Right. We see Jack get to kind of be stereotypically, like, lighty Mm -hmm. and very swishy and flamboyant, and we also have seen episodes in which, like, they've a little bit touched on that sort of, like, inherent tension within the gay men community Mm -hmm. about, you know flamboyant gays versus gays who try to assimilate into straight culture and what does right. that mean but the show never really addresses it yeah and so bringing kind of accident it almost feels like an accident like i i would like to assume that the show is trying to be meta in its critique of itself but but it i don't think it is i think, I think that, it's a complete coincidence i think they accidentally stumbled upon their own self-critique <laughs> and while self-assessment is very useful it only makes sense if you do so with intention and you take what you get out of the assessment. Which we could apply to Grace's plotline this week, too. Mm-hmm. So, it all comes full circle. But, yeah. So, ultimately, the show accidentally kind of, like, owns itself yeah. twice in one week. Yeah. It's a... This episode is a night... It's just... Not a nightmare, but, like, just, like, a, a whole thing. Hot damn mess. Well, and so here's the... the Like, the end of this plotline, which is so fascinating to me. Especially considering... So, we're only three episodes in... And Jack is now on his third job, which is like VP of programming now at this new network. I did not even realize that he'd had a job in episode. But yeah, so just to follow season seven, yeah. he's gone from backup dancer for J-Lo yep. to backup dancer for Janet Jackson to, to vice president, president of something. I think it's vice president of new programs. Yes. So that's like not a sneezable title. I mean, and it's it's really, I mean, it's, it's starting to come across like, 30 Rock, where, like, characters get that all the time. Like, at one time, I think, um, what's his face? Um, the Page character. Kenneth the Page becomes, like, VP of something also nonsensical. Like, it's VP of Toaster Ovens, but that's also, like, the head of the company. Yeah. Um, but, but it's fascinating. I mean, it makes sense, because what Jack was best at in that focus group was coming up with new programming. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Gay Jeopardy, um, The Price is Right, and, and also, also Gay. gay. <laughs> um, Will pitches in one called Queer Factor at the end, which is <laughs> fundamentally the best show that has ever been made. Oh my god. What were the things that they offered as, like, challenges on Queer Factor? It was, Factor? like, the, that the gays would be facing their fears. Yes. Which was, like, oh my god, what was it? There was something, like, uh, I feel like there was something about, like, having to go on a date and no oh having to go on a date without a full length mirror like you had to get yes. dressed for a date without yes, a full length yes, mirror yes 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 and it was like genuinely funny and like i would actually watch that show like i would actually watch a show explicitly about gays confronting gay fears uh-huh. and like racing to achieve their fears oh i don't know what was the other one the other one was having uh being a gay man and having to throw a ball in front of your father oh yeah <laughs> yep 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 oh 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 and then this other great thing that happens in this reveal in which we learn that jack is the vp we find this out because will is all excited because he's like oh yeah yeah i finally got a, a meeting with the company after they kicked me out of the focus <laughs> group and it's with jack yeah and then jack spins around in his chair all excited he's like can you believe right he like might have invented can you believe like we need to have jonathan van ness on this podcast to properly interrogate God damn it he was literally just in philly too i know if, we missed it if we'd only started recording a month earlier we could have uh, timed this out perfectly we did see bobby at a starbucks with his husband that was exciting that was pretty exciting that was pretty exciting so jonathan van ness if you're in missouri and listening to this <laughs> podcast you're a beautiful figure skater we love you and a more beautiful person all right. I think that's all we have for this week, right, Tess? I, yeah, I can't think of anything else. 
Do you want to tell people where they can find us on social media? I absolutely do. So if you want to find us on the internet, the best place to find us is our Twitter page. We are at Not A Couple Show, but you can also find us on Facebook and on Tumblr. Yes, we do respond to messages on Tumblr. And yes, it's always me. I'm always <laughs> the one who responds to your messages. It's me. It's It's Tess. never me. I'm sorry. It's never Matthew. It's always You Tess. can still write me a message, but you can, Tess will reply. But I will just read it to Matthew and then I will reply. <laughs> yes. Um, if you want to tell your friends where they can listen to this episode, obviously you found one of the places, <laughs> but if you need some more recommendations, we are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, and we are on Podbean. And finally, if you would like to send us a very long message or perhaps don't know how to use any other social media platforms, we have an email address. We are not a couple podcast at gmail.com. And yes, Tess also checks that inbox. Basically, I do nothing. Matthew... <laughs> Matthew looks pretty. Matthew's in grad school right now. Yeah, I'm in grad school. It's hard. He's learning many things. Learning is hard, guys. It's difficult. All right, that's it. All right. Thanks so much for listening to us this week, guys. We'll be back next week with more Will and Grace. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Eliza, you sound like a carburetor. This episode of Not a Couple was sponsored by Queer Factor. Face your queers. Run with scissors. Augustine Burroughs was not involved with the production of this reality TV game show.